and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, and today is March the 6th, 2007. <laughs> it's International um, Women's Month. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh. Uh, more about that later. <laughs> yes, as, as President Bush would say, the future will be better tomorrow. Uh huh. Yes. Uh, and if we don't succeed, we run the risk of failure. That's another one of George Bush's immortal phrases. Uh, women have not failed. Unfortunately, they <laughs> they seem to be winning a lot of battles. Uh, I hope you heard uh, Sia Song's uh, show at noon today because it was fascinating. Uh, it was all about uh. Women, ho, 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 it's the language, folks. It's the language that hangs me up, strangles me, drives me absolutely up the wall, up one wall and down the other. And I'm looking here. There is a show. There is a show coming up this weekend that I don't want you to miss. Several shows, actually. One of them my own. Uh, the first one is called Shopping for God, my friend Erica Lan Clark's last name is spelled L-A-N-N uh, hyphen Clark, C-L-A-R-K, Lan Clark. It's called Shopping for God, and Erica has come up with an incredible show. I saw it here in Berkeley. It's moving to the Marsh in San Francisco. It's going to be Sunday afternoons at 3 o'clock, all for about six weeks. And I recommend that if you live over there in the city that you get out and do the culture vulture thing. Uh, actually, Erica does an incredible spin. I, I don't know. I don't like to critique the vagina monologues. It's just that, well, okay, so I critique it. Uh, I, I was not sure, um, when I saw it, um, whether or not, well, I'm just going to stop right there because, Oh, it's getting harder and harder to say anything without being misinterpreted. Shopping for God was my cup of tea, mainly because um, it had a, a universal voice. Uh, it had a lot to do with history, with age. Uh, <laughs> yes, when Erica was a kid, she used to ask her parents, how can you be atheists? And mom would say, everyone's relationship to this idea of a God is entirely personal. All you need to know is never touch yourself. You'll go blind. <laughs> Her dad would say, on this planet, God is the almighty dollar. Why don't you write a play about that? 
her infuriated sister Marsha would say, if I weren't an atheist, I'd pray for you. Hmm. My mother, my own mother used to say, we live, thank God, in a secular nation. Anyway, Erica rebelled and went Methodist and became a radical Presbyterian and converted to Orthodox Judaism. She even did Carlos Castaneda. Uh, none of it fit. Anyway, this is a uh, hilarious, ultimately heroic story. Uh, the actress is a comic storyteller, a master at finding the pain and making it funny. Yes. As I keep saying to my children, is it fun yet? Surely, in your lifetime, my dears, it will be fun. At least for a few hours here and there, a few minutes, maybe. Anyway, that one's at the marsh. Check it out. Then there's one here. Let's see what the dates are. That's me. Yes. It's the 11th, one day only. Uh, 11th of March... Jennifer Stone, author of lists my books and my terrific accomplishments here, uh, will be reading Poetry Night with two other Irish poets. This is a celebration of the I Irish diaspora. Uh, Mike Kelly, Michael Thomas Kelly, author of Light Blooms. And the other poet with me is Mary Rudge, poet laureate of the city of Alameda author of the book for ireland anyway uh the moderator is hillary flynn and she's putting together this irish american festival uh it is located my my particular reading the festival goes from uh today no 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 from the 8th that's thursday international women's day yes march the 8th through march the 17th uh it's in San Francisco, and it's presented by the Irish Studies Program at New College of California. So if you want information about all this Irish stuff, call New College of California. And me and the two other poets, the two other poets and I, pardon me, will be reading at 7.30 in the evening on Sunday, March the 11th. That's this coming Sunday. Oh, you could go see, uh, you could go see my friend Erica. In the afternoon at the marsh. That's at three o'clock. And then you could go to the poetry reading at Books Inc., where I will be reading, my goodness, some more culture than anybody could stand in 24 hours. Anyway, Books Incorporated is at 601 Venice Avenue, the Opera Plaza in San Francisco. It used to be a clean, well lighted place for books, you know. Anyway, if you're, uh, if you forget all this information, just Phone Books Inc. in San Francisco or get them on line. Uh, you can park in the Civic Center Garage, 355 McAllister Street. Once again, it's 601 Van Ness. 7.30 in the evening, March 11th. And there's going to be some Celtic Twilight, all that good stuff. Uh, now, this Irish American festival is called Crossroads. And as I said... I have all the blurbs and information here, and I don't want to just read you all this stuff. Uh, I'll leave a stack of the uh, brochures here at KPFA if you want to get all the details. Uh, the uh, the nice lady who gave it to me, uh, Hilary Flynn, she says this year's festival is unique, yes. 
It's about the significant influence of Irish immigrants. <sighs> Endless examples, blah, 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 blah. The point being that uh, it's far from complete, but we're getting started here. Oh, yes. Oh, the pipes. I don't know. For some reason, I just have this awful feeling. I can hear my father coming home late at night. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. The Irish angst. Pretty rough. Never mind. Put that to one side. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, Books Incorporated. I will be reading my stuff on, uh, let's call it feminist rage. Amazing rage. Uh, I think of it because in these times, you know, our mother right has been not just corrupted, but uh, pretty much annihilated. Uh, I think about these things continually. I was looking at, uh, yes, the new Ralph Nader film, An Unreasonable Man, Al Gore's film, An Inconvenient Truth. Now, all these materials are what I call feminist materials. Uh, they're all about the war on Gaia, the war on the earth. My feminism is primal. It's not political. Uh, I don't know what the words mean anymore. As I say, the language strangles us. Uh, I think of that old patriarch, Patrick. Yes, St. Patrick, you know. The guy who stole the old religion, turned it into that Christian repression. Uh, of course, he couldn't take all the fun out of the old ecstatic uh, Traditions, those mother rights, spelled R-I-T-E-S. You know, the dancing, the ecstasy, the eros of life. However, like the other patriarchs, he did succeed in taking away many of our mother rights, R-I-G-H-T-S. That is to say, uh, our, I don't like the word empowerment anymore, it's bothering me. Let's call it, uh, Hmm. Our role in the world, our task in the world. Uh, if you think about it on a practical level, the church, the Christian church, the patriarchal church, stole our land. Once upon a time, property was a matrilineal right passing down through the mother's line. We had something called the Brehan Laws. Look them up. Actually... Uh, I learned about them from Padraigine McGillicuddy, one of KPFA's programmers. Uh, Padraigine is now lost to us. She's gone. She died a few years ago, and uh, I've gone through some of her old materials. I want to do some of that, uh, give you some of her uh, material on the Brian Laws, you know. It was back when the Irish... Oh, you know, whole clans married each other. They had a low fertility rate, so it made sense. But, you know, there was no such thing as an illegitimate child in ancient Ireland. The kith and the kin, you know. It was an Irish tradition for blood kin to uh, give their children to the kith, the other folks, you know, uh, to help raise the children anyway. Uh the new legal system, that is the patriarchal legal system that has come out of patriarchy, gives the ownership to the boys, you know, the kings over the queens. It's just a little game they play. Um, if you study the ancients, there's a 
stone. I love it. The stone of scone. <laughs> yes, the stone that sits underneath the throne in England. Yes. A woman's voice speaks. Uh, it's the voice of the mother. It tells us which of the men shall be the king. You know, it's the authority, the author of our existence. But of course now it is hidden. It is underground. It's uh, feminine side is uh, ignored, you know. Think of the Sibyl and uh, the Oracle at Delphi and all those good female voices. They were, um, well, in our time, they are, what, wrapped in mystery. They're thought to be just legends and myths. They're not, uh, they're not the real thing, you know. Anyway, uh, the authoritarians came along and uh, repressed the old religion, uh, you know, D.H. Lawrence explained some of this to me when I was a young woman. I needed help getting my head around it. Uh, Robert Graves, the white goddess, is useful. D.H. Uh, Lawrence explained that uh, the patriarchy has turned sex into a dirty little secret. Uh, you know, that secret being the feminine, the female. Uh, women are ashamed of being women. You know, they suffer from a curse. <laughs> we know all about that curse uh, I still wince actually at uh, the biological functions of women we are taught that these things are uh, not what is it what is it uh, not not for the reasonable mind not for the real world they are secrets uh, they are of course the great mystery and uh, Ireland the land of Ire uh, is, was a petri dish for a study of the Christian cruelties that came out of patriarchy, you know. All oh, that Victorian hypocrisy and that messy business, the fear of sex, the dread of women. Oh, Lord. Uh, I remember, yes, we used to file that material in my feminist classes uh, under the heading cleanliness is next to godliness indeed uh, we need to scour yes scour ourselves clean you know if you come anywhere near a menstruating woman you're polluted that kind of thing uh, anyway for the fascist the fascist psychology you know women well, certain women are enemies of the state, uh, in part because they, uh, they are, what is that, disloyal to civilization. Uh, that's what Freud called it. Uh, free love is what Emma Goldman called it, and Rosa Luxemburg, you know. Uh, the sort of women who personified anarchy. Uh, they were commies. They stood for disorder. Uh, what is that term? You know, running around naked in the streets and having a nice time. Ecstasy. Barbara Ehrenreich has just written a book all about it. About all the reasons why celebrations, you know, are being crushed everywhere. You know, the party's over, at least here in the West. Uh, women are supposed to be asexual, you know. The fascist story turns them into nurses and wives uh, you know, sexless, um, not so much, well, unsexual, you know, uh, uh, servants of the state, um, uh, helpmates to males, uh, 
The images are very often white. Yes, I think of the little nurse, the little scrubbed nurse. Uh, I oppose them to the image of the red women, you know, the unwed women, the Rosa Luxembourgs, you know, the gypsy girls. Anyway, this Sunday I'm going to read a lot about this, uh, this stuff, this rage that's still with us. It's suppressed. It's here with us. It's always just under the surface. But it's coming out now. We're suffering from, uh, the word is miasma. It means a mother's curse, um, a fog, a depression. Uh, it's clouding our lives. Uh, I don't know why uh, we're so afraid of discussing it. Uh, I looked at a piece by Barbara Moore last night called Amazing Rage. It's in an ancient copy of, uh, yes, it's an ancient copy of Ms. Magazine. And she talks a great deal about rage. And, uh, what is it? She calls it metapolitics. I can't figure out, um, at the moment, the fashion seems to be to be very sensible, to be very reasonable, to use a great deal of humor when dealing with feminism. Uh, this being Women's History Month. <laughs> In the old days, we would do foolish things. The women would come down to KPFA and we would take over the station, you know. Uh, and just take over and run the whole thing by ourselves, you know, for 24 hours. Can you imagine what would happen nationally, say, if women were given a 24-hour exclusive? Nothing and no one but women and women's issues as if any issue were not a woman's issue. Just, just visualize that. The television, the radio, everything. Uh, your mother, you know, sitting there, doing the talking, making the decisions, passing judgment, running the legal system, the courts. <laughs> oh, what a laugh. Anyway, let me read you a little bit of amazing rage. Uh, I think... I will save my piece on that Patriarch Patrick for the reading on Sunday. Uh, it's all about how Patrick, uh, Patrick drove away the, the old Irish religion, the, uh, uh, the Celtic, Celtic poems. Uh, I don't know what he thought he was doing, but a lot of people do think that he civilized Ireland. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I certainly don't agree. Uh, there have been attempts to make him was it useful or usable, user-friendly, but I find uh, Patrick to be a clear and present danger, like all the other patriarchs. Now, Barbara Moore, M-O-R, writes about soup for the soul uh, in her piece Amazing Rage. She says, Soup for the soul is the nourishing result when women challenge traditional religions, rediscover their ancient female spirituality, invent new philosophies. Uh, she calls it, yes, uh, meta-politics more than metaphysics. She says that uh, 
in the post-everything-real decade, that is post-feminism, post-consciousness, she says, I see a row of fence posts along the road, graffitied with careerist suits <laughs> and chocolate mousse, yes. A correspondingly decadent compunction to look good. Yes, my footnote here is George Bernard Shaw always said, if you are going to protest against high-heeled shoes, be sure and do it in a very smart hat. Yes, I'm a... Uh, George Bernard Shaw, feminist, and Oscar Wilde, feminist. Uh, I have a sign on my icebox that says, I'll be a post-feminist in post-patriarchy. She says that, Barbara Moore says, spiritually, physically, culturally, we must pose pretty. Even our goddesses. Got it? My mother used to say, you know, whatever it is, be sure you look good doing it. Uh, the New Age spiritual guides, even we spiritual feminists, urge ourselves to image positively, smiling, wise, benevolent, graciously non-confrontational ladies. Every day is ladies' day with me. Those who succor, shelter, and soothe. Goddesses of therapy rather than the bitches of politics. Goddesses of personal well-being rather than witches for global change. <laughs> yes, I sent a, a piece of um, feminist fury off to a magazine. It shall be nameless because uh, I think they are good guys. At least they try to be. But it had something to do with crones. And it was a... Uh, Hmm, a rant, a rant, yes, it was, it had a feminist fist in the air, and they sent it back, of course, saying, oh, no, no, we must have only positive images of older women. <laughs> yes, and I wrote back, you know, yes, rage against the dying of the light. Uh, when King Lear does it, it's tragedy. When women do it, ooh, ooh, it's complaining, it's whining, yes. Anyway, Barbara Moore goes on to say, we are all, all of us, the whole doomed world is alone, scared, in pain, stressed out, terminally obstructed, overdosed, and confused, naturally. It would follow that we seek the mother of peace and quiet, not some Amazonian battle axe hounding us out there to fight again. In the midst of patriarchy's metallic noise and violent self-pollution, we consume tapes of our mother's last... Lost waterfalls, a forest wind, sweet silence. For our goddess, we'd prefer the lovely and aerobic nurturer, Ms. Holistic Healing Sunshine. Not that same old bitch wrapped in stinking fragments of bloody moon. <laughs> Another footnote of my own here. I once did a monologue. Oh, for years I did a monologue called The Raven of Babel. And I remember several times, once at the intersection over in San Francisco, I did this. And <laughs> a couple of boys followed me out into the street after the uh, reading or performance. And uh, told me that, uh, well, they told me, yes, they knew where I lived. And I thought, gee whiz, you know, uh, maybe it's not a good idea. You know, to do these things in public places anymore. Uh, but Barbara Moore goes on to say, The primal power 
is hers, with a capital H. Let's face it. Uh, yo, the mama. I keep telling myself. I don't believe it, but it is true. Twice happened to me. Anyway, in my mirror, she writes. Uh, she's cracked by time. Cracked by strange choices. The face I most favor, writes Barbara Moore, is the Morrigan. She is the fae, the fate of Ireland. Uh, my people's black goddess. Right, when they say spirituality and politics don't mix, they lie, they lie, they lie. In pre-Indo-European symbology, black is the color of female power. In those myths, as well as in African and Asian myths, the color of death was white. The power of earth, power of night, of the womb, is a stern power. But uh, it is wholly, utterly real. Blackness to the Irish is the mood of necessity, be it grim, glorious, or otherwise. Mm -hmm. My own footnote here, I'm thinking of Sylvia Plath's yew tree. The message of the yew tree is blackness and silence. Anyway... It is the eventual doom of all things, says Barbara Moore, the inevitable flowering of each thing. As we follow our natures utterly to the end, the endless transformation on the wheel of change, the Gaelic black mood is akin to a Spanish black voice, yes, a black sound present in all true song. Yes, I'm hoping for a, a true song this Sunday at 7.30. Let's go for it. Uh, I hope I can come up with something that is a true Irish song. The Irish love the grave darkness of the Morrigan. They love her fatal necessity because it has been with us so much and for so long. It is our pagan face, indeed, our oldest face. Imagine a moon goddess when almost all the lunations are dark ones. One learns to see and to believe in the mothering dark, the black, uterine cave of the mind. Our pagan face, yes, Kali. Macha the raven. <laughs> A triple goddess. Morgan is, uh, yes, triple has three names. Anna is plenty, the mother, both good and awful, gives abundance and blight, lush weather and foulness, laughter and loud screams, the banshee, right? Her body is the land, all the happy and suffering creatures. And on the land, her children, we know this mother well, she's everyone's mother. The second aspect is more specific, terrible. Uh, babe is her name, B-A-D-B. She is met at River Fjords, crouched and smeared with gore, washing the weapons and armor of those about to die in battle. With a downturn of her hand, she can flood a land with blood. A finger lift, and the river goes dry for easy crossing. She means boiling like the 
cauldron. Also, throw the battle throw. And now I'm going to stop and go on with this wonderful piece, Amazing Rage. I'm going to do that next Tuesday. In the meantime, I hope to see you Sunday at 7.30 over at Books, Inc. in San Francisco. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Just a note, this uh, cover to cover with Jennifer Stone is from 2007. All the events that uh, she has mentioned has already happened. Repeating, this is an archive program from 2007. Andrea Lewis here, letting you know about Tavis Smiley speaking. That's right, television personality and righteous political commentator Tavis Smiley will be at First Congregational Church of Oakland on Tuesday evening, March 10th at 6.30 p.m. He'll discuss his new book, Accountable, Making America as Good as Its Promise, and I'll be there with him and hope you will be too. The church is located at 2501 Harrison Street at 27th in Oakland. There's free parking and wheelchair access. Tickets for the KPFA benefit, co-sponsored by United Healthcare, are $15 at the door and only $12 online at kpfa.org or at supporting bookstores. Visit kpfa.org for more information on Tavis Smiley. This is KPFA or KPFB in Berkeley or KFCF in Fresno or www.kpfa.org. Stay tuned for Free Speech Radio News coming up next.